My good people, greetings. What is happening? What is going on? Week is about to close. It's Friday. I'm sure everybody's rejoicing, but we shouldn't just wait till Friday to be able to exhale and be grateful and thankful for a weekend. We should always be grateful and thankful for another day. And here on a special Friday on the eve of the NBA playoffs, I deliver to you my 2018-2019 playoff preview of the association as I deliver everything that's happening on the hardwood for this episode of the J-Rose Podcast. For those who are uh, taking a chance on me to listen to what it is I have to say about what's going on in the NBA, welcome you guys aboard. Very uh, grateful and thankful for you downloading and listening to this content. And for those who have been with me and banging with me since day one, thank you very much for your return and uh, welcome back. We're going to do wall-to-wall NBA. Now, it's going to be a little unconventional. It's easy just to break down each series each conference, things of that nature, which I'll get to, but I'm not going to get cute and try to dissect all the intricacies of what each series is going to bring, pluses, minuses, the X factors, all those different types of situations. I'm certainly not going to go about it in that regard. A couple of series, of course, I'll look at and break down, but please, am I going to sit here and dissect Orlando Toronto from soup to nuts? Uh Uh-uh. Not going to happen. So let's just get right to it. As I like to discuss every time when we talk about a season or a postseason in this case is to go through the storylines before we even get to some of these series. And the first storyline to me when I look at this postseason is the three-peat or the quest for the three-peat for the Golden State Warriors. Now, as we know, this could be the last of this Warrior team dating back to the 2016-17 year, which is, let's face it, two years ago, when Kevin Durant first became a part of this team after them losing a crushing Game 7 at home against the Cavs the year before. We all know the circumstances about Kevin Durant and where he may be going next year. A lot of the rumors have it he may be coming here to Gotham. That's for July 1st. As of right now, Golden State and for... The season that they've had, even at 57-25, and 25, by any means it was not a failure because they are the top seed in the West, the clear-cut favorites to come out of the Western Conference. But considering some of these streaks that they had this year where they did not play well, that there was bickering and fighting amongst some of the players, and particularly KD and Draymond Green, you had puzzling losses at home, whether it was a 35-point loss to Dallas, Losing to Phoenix, the Celtic game. And of course that could happen, but they lost to the Celtics by 33 in their building. The final year in the old Oracle Arena out there by the Bay in Oakland before they move across the Bay to San Francisco next year in the glistening brand new Chase Center. <clears throat> Excuse me, but with Golden State and everything that they've hinged this three-year run And right, we could talk about the two years prior, before KD, but now you would think that this is going to be it. That somehow, some way, this five-year span, but more importantly, this three-year span, is pretty much going to not necessarily define this team, but a lot of people will look at it and say, if Golden State somehow, some way, is able to hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy for the third straight year, they're going to be ranked up there in the annals of one of the all-time great NBA teams. And I understand that's going to be the debate forever. 
people going to look at this team if they do three-peat and compare them to the 0-0 to 0-2 Lakers? They'll even try to compare them to the which rendition? The 96 to 98 Bulls? Will it be the 91 to 93 Bulls? Any of the Celtic teams in the 80s? The Laker teams from the 80s? All those comparisons are going to be thrown about, especially if they come away from winning this series. And as I've said on this podcast several times, to think that they had that 3-1 series lead against Cleveland. And even with Draymond Green suspended in that game five in Oakland, they ended up losing that game. We know what happened the two games after that. To think that they would be going for a fifth straight NBA title is almost unheard of, especially in this day and age of free agency and player movement and things of that nature. But that's not the case. They're actually going for a three-peat, which would be the first time since that 0-0 to 0-2 Laker team led by Shaq and Kobe. So Golden State, to me, that's the first storyline coming into this NBA postseason. The second one, it's all about the Celtics. Because myself and a lot of prognosticators included easily predicted a Celtic-Warrior NBA final considering that LeBron took his talents to La La Land. And even with a team in Toronto that was a number one seed last year but fired their head coach, yes, they did bring on Kawhi Leonard, but there was a lot of doubt clouding around that considering what happened in San Antonio last year and a half, how he would perform playing in Toronto. Also, you have... Philly, who's on the come up, but suffered just a tough playoff loss to the Boston Celtics last year. Who knew Milwaukee was going to take a quantum leap in the East? A lot of people thought that on October 17th, this Celtic team was going to be by far a top one or two seed in this conference and pretty much breeze to an NBA final. And as we've seen throughout the course of this year, that was certainly not the case. They had to scratch tooth and nail just to get a four seed so they could host this first round against Indiana and how they're going to not just regroup but how they're going to perform under these bright lights with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward in the mix we know how much success they had last year without them but now with Coach Stevens and with all the types of combinations the substitutions, the what he had to do to not only make his players happy, but to make this team gel and to have this team perform at a top level is really going to be concentrated here because the regular season now, it's over. Everybody's 0-0. If the Celtics somehow, some way, go on and let's say make it to an Eastern Conference Final against Milwaukee, well, I take that back. They wouldn't even play Milwaukee in the East Conference Final because they play them in the second round. But let's just say they're going to play Toronto or Philly in a, in a Conference Final if they just so happen to beat Milwaukee in the next round, provided that they beat the Pacers first. Then you can kind of look and say, all right, well, this team has got it together. And I don't know if this one series is just going to be enough because we all know that last year, after the Celtics had to sweat, fight, scratch, and claw to beat a Milwaukee Buck team that certainly people thought were on the come up, but not to this level, to this extent this year. But considering they had to go through that last year, nobody, including myself, thought that they were going to beat the Sixers in the next round. And as we've seen, they've done that. So 
to me, the Celtics are the number two storyline and how they're going to perform and put aside everything that happened over the course of the 82-game regular season and see what happens now that the bright lights are on, this is the moment they've been waiting for, all the talk about, oh, they're bored, they're just waiting for the postseason, which to me was nonsense. But if that's the case, okay, if we're waiting for mid-April to get it all together and somehow, some way, turn that switch on, then so be it. The time has come. And as far as the number three storyline, it's the teams that are ready to make that next jump. I could sit here and talk about some of the teams that have been there, done that. What do they have left in the tank? Whether it's the Spurs, the Thunder to a certain extent. I'm going to get to them a little bit later on. Because to me, it's not really a storyline, but one of the questions that we have going in, especially in the West, is if Golden State were to get picked off, who's going to be the team? But again, I'm going to save that for later. To me, it's about these teams that are ready to make that next leap. I mentioned Milwaukee. Milwaukee, obviously, with an impressive first showing in the postseason where they took the Celtics to seven games. And now that they're the one seed, and chances are the proverbial MVP favorite, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, him being that all-NBA player who looks like could be the next player after LeBron once he fades off into the sunset, that this could be the guy who's going to be the face of this league. Can they take that leap, not only just to a conference final, but to an NBA final? You know, they won 60 games this year, and the last time any Buck team won 60 games, there was a guy named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Who is the face of that franchise? And now we're talking 40 plus years ago. You look at the Sixers. And there, let's face it, that was a bitter disappointment last year against the Celtics. A lot of that had to do with coaching, if you ask me. So where, where are they going to perform? Or to what level are they going to perform this year? Can they make it to a conference final? I think for them, it's conference finals or bust. Also, you're looking at even a team like Toronto. Now, again, they've been a mainstay in the East and they performed at high levels barring them playing the Cleveland Cavaliers and looking at number 23 as their kryptonite. Well, they don't have to worry about him this time around. But Toronto's fascinating from the standpoint of we know Kawhi is going to be a free agent. This could be a last stand for this organization despite the fact that they'll have plenty of money under the cap and they could... Obviously, re-sign him or somebody else for that matter. But as hopping of a city as Toronto is, it's certainly not a basketball hotbed when it comes to word around the league as people wanting to play, let's say, in L.A. or in New York or even, dare I say, Miami. And then you have the teams out west like Denver and Portland or Denver Paper Tigers. Are they the type of team that, yes, they could reel off 50-some-odd wins in the regular season and in the postseason, they'll come up small? Same for Portland. Considering how they got embarrassed in the first round last year against New Orleans, and they had another big year led by Damian Lillard. It's those teams that you're looking to see, can they take that next step? Because we know that the Favorites, especially out West, you're going to look at the Golden States of the world. You're going to look at the Rockets. But can Denver, can Portland, can even Utah take a run? That's another team. 
with Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, etc. And you're going to have a fascinating postseason. Now, this first round, I think, is going to be it's going to be a little rough. And generally, NBA first rounds have been rough because there is a disparity. More so with the teams in the East than in the West because you had three teams, especially in the East, clinch spots in the final days of the season. And generally that happens, of course, even out West. It's the same thing with the Spurs and the Clippers. But at the same time, the teams in the East on the bottom, whether it's 6-7-8, certainly can't compare to the 6-7-8 out West in Oklahoma, San Antonio, and the Clippers. And the Clippers traded their best player earlier, right before the trade deadline in Tobias Harris, and they're still able to make the postseason at 48-34. and So you got to give them credit. Now, I'm going to start with the Brooklyn Nets, only because it's local. And the Nets certainly had a, a year that, let's face it, nobody thought, whatever their over-under number was, I think it was maybe 33. They were probably somewhere around that. And here they are, they won 42 games. They had D'Angelo Russell blossom into an all-star. They had a bunch of contributions from role players that they never expected. And Rodion Karutz. Jared Allen, who of course performed toward the end of last year and certainly is that rim protector that a lot of people certainly would die for. Spencer Dinwiddie. Tavion Graham, who's contributed here down the stretch. So I'm going to start with Brooklyn only because not only they're in our backyard, but at the same time, there's actually basketball being played in New York City in the spring. Which is very rare because the Knicks obviously are nowhere near the postseason or certainly haven't been in the last five, six years. And how I look at this series, and this is actually going to be the first game to kick off the NBA playoffs. 2.30 tomorrow in Philadelphia. To me, how I look at this series, this is going to be the coming out party for one D'Angelo Russell. And I say that because if he's looking to really make his fame as far as a player in this league, this is the time. Now, he can't chuck up 25 to 28 shots and get 29, 30 points. That's not going to cut it. And nobody says he has to be 11 for 16 and score 45. But if he's going to be the guy, if he's going to be the man on this team for many years to come, and knowing that he's going to be a free agent after this year, and he's been the team guy throughout the whole year, he's certainly going to have to carry the mail and deliver this team not only a couple of wins, but if any chance they're going to go on to the next series, he's going to have to play a Herculean effort in order for his team to get to the next round. I mean, there's all there is to it. So if you're looking at the Nets and thinking of any type of uh, upset potential here, and granted they split their season series for what that's worth, and when you have a team like the Sixers who certainly have a lot of aspirations Certainly have a lot of expectations. The Brooklyn Nets here certainly are playing with house money, but they know that they're going up against a starting five that's just as talented as any starting five in the league. I mean, think about it. We know about Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. Just those four guys alone right off the bat are four potential all-stars, and some of them are all-stars. To me, what's also going to happen, what's going to be very critical, is the coaching. And Kenny Atkinson, he certainly is able to get blood from a rock. He's done a phenomenal job with this team. 
And Brett Brown, if you've watched that Celtic Sixer series from last year, you would only hope if you're a Sixer fan that he has learned from that and certainly will be able to not just coach his team based on his talent, but also coach his team based on positioning, where they need to be, and obviously certain situations late in the game, especially during crunch time, for him to try to procure a win as opposed to give away wins, which is what he did in that Celtics series last year. So to me, coaching is the second part of this whole dynamic, just based on what I saw last year with the Sixers. And Kenny Atkinson, he's certainly going to be in for a monumental chore. Philly is a heavy favorite to win this series. I'm sure a lot of people think Brooklyn will probably win a game or two, but coaching will go a long way here. And depends on what he's going to do. And their team is deep. Sixer team is not that deep. And lastly, I think another big key here is that if Embiid gets all his points, and if Atkinson somehow, some way, keeps Embiid more on the perimeter than you could see him in the low block, which we understand the game's not back to the basket anymore. I understand that, but... Embiid, if he's going to start chucking threes like he did, and I saw that game against Milwaukee last week on TNT, and he was just basically playing on the perimeter the whole game. If they could do that, and not only that, on t- uh, more so, if Ben Simmons is somehow, some way, not wrecking the game on his own, I think the Nets have a great shot of winning the series. Because even if Embiid goes off, if he gets his, whatever, 35 and 16, as long as Simmons is not, Forget about the points. With Simmons, to me, it's about his rebounds and his assists. Because if he's getting anywhere between 11 to 15 rebounds, and obviously if he's dropping dimes in the teens, it's going to be a short series for the Nets. What you have to do is not get in transition with that guy, with that guy at the point, and you certainly cannot have him wreck the game on his own based on his passing and his rebounding. Because let's face it, that's Ben Simmons' strength. He's not going to kill you with the points. He's not going to take... He won't even take a 10-footer. So if you're the Nets, you'd almost want him beat to wreck the game on his own and then neutralize everybody else. You wouldn't want to be a thing where Embiid, let's say even if he's getting 28 and 16. All right, so what's Butler getting? What's J.J. Redick getting? Tobias Harris... Because if Ben Simmons is only averaging 10 points a game, but he's got you know 14 and 13, then they're in a world of trouble. Can the Nets win this series? Uh, it's a tall order. To tell. I mean, it's just it's really tall. To me, the only way I think they can win the series is if they win it in six, but I, I can't see that. Could it go six games? I think it can. Will it? I don't think so. I'm going to say... Sixers and five because they just have too much talent. And I think the first round is a round that you rarely see those monumental upsets. It's very rare. Usually the cream rises to the crop, especially in that first round. Very rare you're going to see a six or seven seed upset a two or three. Forget about a one and eight, although it happened in these parts back in 1999. But again, that was 20 years ago. So, listen, I'm rooting for the Nets. I hope they push them to the limit. I hope they win the series. But at the end of the day, I just can't see it happening. Even with 
more depth on their side. I'm not going to say that the coaching favors the Nets, but I would say it's even. But when you look at the top players on both of those teams, D'Angelo Russell arguably could be the third best player. And when you have Embiid and Simmons, those top two guys on one team, it's going to be a total order. As far as the other series go, let me go to the Celtics real quick. I think the Celtics, for everything that's happened, and they just beat Indiana last Friday, but for what that's worth, it's nothing now. I think the Celtics, this is going to be a tough series. Indiana's played well all year. You got to give them credit and without their best player since around the All-Star break. To me, it goes back to, obviously, Eagles got to be put aside. Coach Stevens has to put in the right mix. You know, who's if Jalen Brown's got to come off the bench, then so be it. I understand these guys want to get burned. I understand these guys, they're going to look back and think of last year, especially the Jalen Browns, even the Jason Tatums of the world, Terry Rozier, etc. But all you got to look at is this. All that is put aside. Now it's time. It's go time. That's it. They're not going to have Marcus Smart now for four to six weeks because of an oblique injury. So he's a glue guy. He's a tough guy to lose because as we all know, he has a heart of a lion. So not having him in the lineup is certainly going to hurt. You know, I mean, you're thinking four to six weeks. That's conference finals. So the Celtics, I think they should be able to handle business here. I could see this easily going six games. Could go seven. You know, I wrote down, I said, I think they'll win in six. I'll stick with it. But if does it go seven? I wouldn't be surprised. As far as Milwaukee, Detroit, I don't know what Detroit could do. Milwaukee's just had a juggernaut year. And again, it's very rare to get that upset. Especially in this case, a 1-8. I could see this Milwaukee in five. They're just, I bet you they're chomping at the bit waiting for this. Their crowd is going to be into it. They have that new building that they just opened up this year. Not that it's a factor or whatever, but it's still, I'm sure they're pumped up and ready to go. And I think the same for Toronto and Orlando. Uh, Toronto and Orlando. I think Toronto's waiting for this moment. Kawhi, who knows what's going to happen. Again, that's for July. We can't discuss what his status is going to be. Uh, I don't trust Toronto, even with LeBron not in the postseason anymore and certainly not in Cleveland. But I think that they're just going to take care of business against Orlando. I mean, you know, these teams that pretty much have had playoff games for the last two weeks, you know, now they're really in the playoffs. Uh-uh. It's a, just a tough chore for these guys, whether it's the Nets, whether it's Orlando or Detroit to be able to overcome that and win four out of seven in an opening round against a team that's a lot more superior than they are. Out West, can the Clippers give Golden State a run for their money? Probably not. Golden State, again, another team. Let's see what happens. Flick the switch, Boogie Cousins. I have them winning in five. Uh, San Antonio and Denver. This is going to be an interesting series. If San Antonio somehow, someway steals one of these first two games, I'd like to see how Denver's going to perform. I really do. And you know what? I'll even put that into the Celtics court as well. Because now that they, it's go time and the bright lights and everything, what's going to happen if Indiana wins that first game and now it's in the third quarter and Indiana is up by double digits? Let's say up by 12 with like three minutes to go in the third quarter, down 1-0 in the series. That's where I want to see the Celtics. 
Let me see them come together then. Same for Denver. San Antonio, again, veteran team. A lot of those players, certainly, you know, when you think of San Antonio, you know who the players are, but of course they're long gone. They're not going to walk into that door, but still, they're resourceful. They have the coach. LaMarcus Aldridge, although I think he's an overrated player, but still, he could have his moments. And it'd be interesting to see if they're down to 1-0 in Denver, even in the high-altitude game two, how they're going to perform, knowing that they haven't been in a position like that against a you know, veteran-savvy team. OKC in Portland, that could be a fascinating series just based on the point guard matchup. I'm going to pick OKC in seven. I think the league needs OKC to be there, considering there are no Lakers, and we won't even get into them. You'll wait for Monday's podcast for me to get into the Lakers, but... OKC, with everything that Russell Westbrook has done in the regular season, last year we understand what happened in the postseason and lost in that first round of Utah. To me, they have to have a deep run here. And Paul George, again, for everything that he's done in the regular season, you know, top five MVP candidate, et cetera, let's see him raise his game now. He's going to have to. To quote the great Walt Clyde Frazier, as he says best, you make your name in the regular season and your fame in the postseason. Well, it's time. And the same for Dame Lillard, too, for that matter. But I'm going to pick OKC in seven. And in Utah and Houston, which could be a very fascinating series. Houston, if they're shooting a three, you could just might as well go home. As you've seen last year, game seven against Golden State, they couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. So now you have a situation where Utah, who can make some noise, certainly a lot of people will look at this series and think of everything that James Harden has done in the regular season and he'll shoot his way into the next round, which will be a fascinating second round series because if they were to win and the top seed wins, you're going to have a rematch of Houston and Golden State. But I would think Houston's going to prevail here. I'd be shocked. I think Utah's going to give him a fight, though. I'm picking Houston in six. So that's what you have as far as your first round's concerned. Obviously, I can't go anywhere past that. We've got to see how these series play out. But like I said, you would think it's going to be chalk across the way. The top four seeds in each conference will advance. Are there any teams? Is there any chance that any of these teams could upset the apple cart? Maybe San Antonio. I could see that against a young Denver team, as I mentioned before. Somehow, some way, they're up one love. Or even if they even the series and then they go back to San Antonio and they're up 2-1. What's Denver going to do then? That'll be fascinating to see. Utah, that would be an upset if they beat Houston. I don't understand it's a 4-5, but Houston, let's face it. Ever since they started off 11-14, and they were probably the best team in the NBA. Losing 14 games since then. And I'm not a fan of Houston. I'm sure you've listened to this podcast. For those who have, even going back to last year, I've not never been a big fan of James Harden. Respect his game. Same thing with Chris Paul. Never in a big moment. He never shows up in a big spot. And I don't like the coach. But it's interesting. They can't say they've flown under the radar, but now that they're a four seed in the postseason, It'll be interesting to see once they get past this round, that next round against Golden State is going to be must-watch 
And especially if Chris Paul is healthy. But again, we got to wait to see how this plays out. Can't look ahead or think that it's going to be the case between the Rockets and Warriors. In the East, I can't see any of those teams upsetting. I mean, well, Indiana beat Boston. Is that an upset? Yeah, it's mild. I mean, can Detroit beat Milwaukee? Uh, I mean, Blake Griffin will have to have, and Andre Drummond. I, I, I mean, I can't see it. Same with Orlando. We talked about Brooklyn. The only upsets I could see you're looking at is uh, the 2-7 matchup in the West and also possibly Utah. I, that's it. Now, I understand Portland OKC. I mean, that's not I mean, despite the fact that Portland's a three seed and OKC's a six seed, I mean, that's not that's not gonna be an upset if somehow, some way the Thunder win in six or five or whatever it is. So and I'm sticking with my NBA's finals pick. I pick Celtics Warriors, of course. Gun to my head. Who do I think is gonna make it to the NBA Finals? I'm not going to go chalk. I'm not going to say bucks. I would not be surprised somehow, some way, if Toronto makes the NBA final. And I'm not saying that to be different. I'm not saying that because it's easy to say Philly. It's easy to say, oh, Boston gets hot. And you can easy to say Milwaukee goes at the number one seed. And I will say this. I wouldn't be surprised if Houston goes to the finals. And the reason why I say that is because let's say they get through this first round six games. Everybody's healthy. They'll be chopping at the bit to play Golden State. Because I'm sure if there's one team in the West that could beat them, is them. I get that the Thunder's also another team that could give them a run for its money, but I would trust Houston more than OKC, and that's saying a lot because I do not trust Houston. But if the Thunder somehow, some way, get to a conference final, because that's the only way you're going to see them play against Golden State, are they going to have enough gas in the tank to beat Golden State? I'm sure Russell Westbrook will. Well, what about the rest of the team? And that would be fascinating theater considering Kevin Durant going up against his former team, but that's a long way down the road. I really think if somehow, some way, Houston can get to an NBA final, I would not be surprised. Now watch them beat Golden State and then they lose in a conference final to whomever. But no, if I had to pick my NBA final right now, it's not sexy. I can see Toronto and Golden State. I don't know if I trust Milwaukee just yet. I know Budenholz is a great coach. And great may be a strong, but he's an excellent coach. Let's put it that way. You know, I mean, he hasn't won anything, so I can't say he's great. But he, he is a very, he's an above average coach. I mean, look what he's done with that team. Considering last year, they were, you know, even though they're one game for beating the Celtics, but at the same time, with Jason Kidd at the helm, they certainly didn't uh, exceed any expectations there. And I understand Giannis is really coming to his own this year, more so than last year, but still. So how I look at it is, I don't know if Milwaukee's ready. I hate to say it, Boston, I can't trust 100% as much as I'm in their corner and I'll go to the death wearing green and white. But I don't know. And Philly is the same way. 
They have the talent, but I don't trust them. And Golden State, who's going to beat them? Can they be beaten? I think they can. And I think if there's any other game to get picked off, it's here. And I've said it periodically over the weeks throughout the podcast. I do not like what I see with this team. They've kind of sleptwalked through some of these games. And I get that if there's one team that can be bored of the regular season and wait for the postseason, it's them. I get it. But at the same time, I mean, how about it? You know, they're a team that they'll turn the switch on and next thing you know, they're in the NBA final and they're 12-1 and on their way to getting their third Lawrence O'Brien trophy. But I'm sticking with Celtics and Warriors. That was my pick. I gave you my gun to my head pick. And we'll see how this all shakes down. Starting tomorrow, 2.30, City of Brotherly Love, as the NBA playoffs begin in earnest tomorrow here on the East Coast, 2.30 p.m. And just to give you a recap here, Brooklyn-Philadelphia kicks us off. That's game number one. Tomorrow, the second game is Orlando-Toronto. The third game, which is the primetime game, Clippers at Warriors. And then the nightcap Saturday night is San Antonio at Denver. Sunday, 1 o'clock, Indiana at Boston, 3.30, which is the ABC game, OKC in Portland, at 7 p.m., the third game, Milwaukee-Detroit, and then to cap off your basketball quadruple header, back-to-back days, Utah-Houston, down in Texas. All right, I'll be back on the air on Monday, recapping the games here. NHL playoffs, baseball, the Masters, which is going on as we speak. Everything to shake a stick at here as we deliver, or as I say, as I deliver, everything that's happening in the world of sports. Please, everybody, if you haven't subscribed to the program, please do so. You could go through my website, www.jreels.com, J-A-Y-R-E-E-L-Z. And I'm on all the podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify. Please subscribe leave a rating, post a review, all that, just so it could be also known throughout the other sports podcasts in the universe so it can increase the visibility and hopefully with your participation in doing so, uh, we'll see that, we'll see the numbers increase. And again, it goes without saying how much I am uh, grateful and thankful for your participation, giving me an opportunity to deliver to you everything that's going on in the world of sports on a week-in, week-out basis, and hopefully even more so as this is my second part of the week. Moving forward as I deliver everything that's happening on the diamond, ice, hardwood, gridiron, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are. The j Podcast always comes correct, directed, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond. Peace, love, and God bless everybody. Enjoy opening weekend of the NBA playoffs and anything else you may be watching over the weekend. And until next time on the j Podcast, on the flip, baby.